Welcome to The Prosper Project, the show that helps entrepreneurs build brands that impact the world and the bottom line. We know that success doesn't come in a one-size-fits-all package. That's why we're bringing you adaptable marketing strategies along with valuable insights from inspiring change makers, firebrands, and visionaries. I'm Lorraine Sugart, founder of the disruptive brand agency, Prosper for Purpose. Now for this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of The Prosper Project. Today, my guest is Grant Finley Shiras. He is the founder and CEO of Parkbench.com, a portfolio company of NAR Reach, and I hope I'm saying that right, and 500 startups. He's also the creator of Local Leader Real Estate Sales and Marketing System. He's an international best-selling author of Become a Local Leader and Referral Secrets and a Team Canada tennis player in the Masters Tour. Grant's expertise encompasses lead generation, hyper-local marketing, prospecting, sales, branding, my favorite topic, and achieving success in business and sports. Welcome, Grant. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Lorraine. Yeah, thank you. Well, I hear a lot, and certainly my coach has said multiple times that you need to train for your business like an athlete trains for their sport. So what's your take on that? Do you think that being an athlete has helped you in becoming an entrepreneur and being so successful? Absolutely. I think I will actually also say, because I'm so into sports, it actually pulls me away from business. So I will say that from the athlete's perspective, because I still feel I am one, the amount of training I put into my sport can pull me away from my business. But in general, before I got back into tennis, because I had that experience of training as an athlete, I think the discipline that you get from sport is super important for business. The idea that you may not want to do something, but that's okay. You're not, that's not a requirement to want to do things to be able to get the result. You just need to go do it. You need to show up. And then when you show up, it's not just going through the motions, right? A lot of people, when they train for sport, if you get really good, it's because you train almost harder than you would have to in the game. And so when you show up, you show up with full intensity all of the time and you do the work that people don't necessarily want to do. And that's what gets you the result that other people who don't do the work get. So I think I always have lots of analogies for sports and business. And I know that all my sport stuff growing up has totally helped me be a business owner. That's great. I love that. And I think that that self-discipline is really the key that I'm sensing you're sharing. There are so many things when you run a business. Well, let's be honest. When we start a business, we start it because we love to do something or we see a problem in the world we want to correct and we do it through things that come naturally to us. But when you're the entrepreneur, there's a lot of other things that you have to do that you don't want to do, especially when you're starting before you can afford to bring other people in. And a lot of people get really stuck at that place and they don't grow because they don't have that self-discipline. One of the things, just to tag onto that, for people who are, as I'm listening to that, I go, yeah, how do you get discipline? And for sport especially, and I remember like business, like starting my business, the obsession to do it, the obsession to be great. When people run up against discipline, it's because they feel the pain 
of mm. the thing that they got to do. And right now that pain is greater than the outcome that comes from going through the pain. And either that's because the outcome isn't big enough, compelling enough, exciting enough, or they're just forgetting why they're doing it. And so something as an athlete is you're always like, why am I doing this? And when you show up to training to get you to like go from it's early morning, I don't want to do this exercise. I don't want to run. I don't want to do this exercise. And then it's like, make team Canada, make team. Like you just have to tell yourself that goal that just overrides the pain that you're about to put yourself through. And same thing for business. Like I just remember like make money, profit, like prove my parents wrong. Like all these things I would say to myself, whether good or bad is it gets you to then have that obsession to then do whatever it takes to do the work. And so I find that really good athletes and really good business people are obsessed with why they're doing it and what they're going after. And so if you're having trouble with discipline, look at your goals and your vision and make it more exciting, make it more compelling, or maybe that's the reason why it's not the right thing for you. Exactly. That's really, really important. I think that having your purpose in front of you all the time is really important. And when you do have that fatigue or you do have that resistance, you can pull from it. But I think that the last comment you made is also very true. If it isn't enough for you, maybe you're in the wrong business or maybe you're not meant to be the entrepreneur, the owner, but rather to find a way to further that purpose as an employee or as a volunteer. There isn't just one way to tap into that. Totally. And you got to work on it. Like I used to think like do my goals once a year, make a vision board maybe, but like, it's like a daily thing. Like that's like a, something I, I really pull on. Cause like being in business for 12 plus years now, like your discipline wanes, like your energy wanes, it goes through ebbs and flows. And so like, you got to get it back. And how do you get it back? Like I made myself notepads and I write things down every day. Like, why am I doing this? And like, what's the outcome that's going to get me excited today? So like, it's a daily practice to just keep yourself obsessed and excited to then have the discipline to then go do the things that you know you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of you becoming an entrepreneur, talk about how you went from being an athlete to an entrepreneur and what made you decide to start your company? Well, my original foray into entrepreneurship, because my parents and my wife, her parents are entrepreneurs. That's oh, all wow. she knows. And she did not do well in school. I met her like much later in life, right? But my first entrepreneurial venture kind of came by accident because I was working at a job because that's all I knew. Like my parents, like immigrants, like go get a job. So I had a job and I was in sales and managing a sales team. And this guy saw me, I was doing like experiential marketing. So if you ever had like liquor samplings at a liquor yeah. store or Budweiser does their like big rig and Coors Light does their like mansion parties and stuff like that. So like I would manage these events and experiences and samplings and all that stuff. And so I was doing it. And this guy who worked at the liquor store just saw me doing a really good job, coaching, training, selling. And he came up to me and was like, Hey, you know, have you ever thought about like having your own business and like doing sales? And I was like, okay, like you work at the liquor store. Why are you coming up to me? Like I'm working, like what's going on? And obviously I'd never heard of network marketing and all that stuff. And so the guy was like, oh, you should come out 
you know, are you into health and fitness? I was like, yeah, I actually am. That was like my other passion. And he was like, oh, you know, I have this business and we help sell these nutritional products. And I was like, oh, I'm into supplements and nutrition, stuff like that. So I was like, yeah, I'm into making money. I'm into making money. I'm into this topic. And so I had no idea what he was like bringing me in on. I was not thinking about entrepreneurship. And then he brings me in and then I learned about network marketing. And it's basically just to me, sales. Right around a cool product. And I was like, all right, like a side hustle to make some extra money around something I'm interested in. Cool. And I just signed up. I didn't think I was doing entrepreneurship, but then when you get into, at least for me, network marketing, it is about being a business owner, being an entrepreneur. Like you got to, you're now self-development and run a business. And I was yeah. like looking at these people who are at the top and I was like, wow, these people are really successful. I've never been around successful people and entrepreneurs and uh, husband and wife work together. I'm like, what? My parents would never work together. And I thought that was so cool. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And so that got me into entrepreneurship like by mm -hmm. accident. And then I started realizing, oh, if I want the life that I want to live, I need to be an entrepreneur. And then I think just being an athlete and being able to say, like, I want to do something. I want to be a starter on this team. I want to be the MVP. I want to be the leading scorer. I want to be the person who wins the gold medal and track or something. I, I was used to just like deciding what I wanted to do and then just like shutting out other things in life that would pull me away from that thing and then just go doing it. And so then as soon as I was like, I want what these people have, it was like, all right, everything else in my life is irrelevant. What do I need to do to go be successful in entrepreneurship? And then I just got into it. And then I started my own events company because eventually network marketing didn't pan out. Started my own events company, became number one in that, then started my own fitness company, became number one at that. And then it just led into the next thing. So my wife, and then she was in real estate, and then I was just helping her do marketing for her real estate business while I was doing marketing for my fitness franchise. And then it turned into this system that other realtors wanted. And then she said, hey, we should stop our businesses and get into the business of helping realtors with their business. And I was like, really? Well, I've always wanted to work with you, work with my person. Yeah. And here's an opportunity. And so I just went with it. And I think so much of entrepreneurship is you just get started without thinking too much of it, thinking too big. I was not thinking about being a unicorn. I was not thinking about being a millionaire. Mm -hmm. I was just thinking about making money, doing something I liked, and then eventually doing it with someone I liked. And I think there is so much of that that is important, like being naive and and not making, like putting so much pressure. And like, I think it's actually bad that like social media and puts all this pressure now, like, cause it wasn't around, like social media wasn't around when I got started. And now it's like, well, look at all these successful entrepreneurs on social media. So now I got to be one where at the beginning, like I was just thinking about just making some money, doing something without getting a job. Right. I think it's a couple of things that I want to just kind of touch on that you said. It's always a leap of faith. I mean, it was a big leap of faith for you and your wife to both kind of walk away from your individual businesses to start a joint business. But it's always a leap of faith because there's no roadmap for you to do what this is. There's roadmaps that other people have and they're helpful, but ultimately it's a huge risk because you're in charge. I think the other thing is that when you go out in the world, there's this idea of, well, it has to be perfect before I take it out there. And I always tell my clients that it's progress over perfection, that perfection is the killer 
of dreams because we get so stuck in, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. And it, like you said, it's that focus. It's, this is what I want to do. This is who I want to do it with. And we're going to figure out it as we go. And then I think for you being able to know that there's going to be a lot of days that you don't feel like doing it and being able to do the hard stuff anyway, or the things that you hate anyway, and just accepting and moving forward in that way. And then the last thing I want to comment on is, yes, my business is 10 years old. Social media was around, but it wasn't what it is now. And I think that when you start a company and tell me how you advise your clients on this, looking at social media is good to assess the peers in the space to ensure that there's a market for what you're intending to sell and to get an idea of, okay, how do I position myself to stand out? And then kind of letting the rest of it go because what people put on social media, shocker, is not always true. People on private planes and a lot of that, there are people for whom that is true and we know who those people are. And then there's other people you go, really? Hmm, I'm not so sure that's actually this person's life. And so I think bringing that healthy dose of skepticism is also really important and not getting caught in that comparison trap. Yeah, I think it depends on the business you are. So like I work with real estate professionals, mortgage brokers, insurance agents, and then every kind of local business under the sun on my platform. And there's so much on social media about how to be a social media influencer. Mm -hmm. And that's the reason why people create this content. Shock and awe content, look at me content, whatever is flashy, trendy, People are now figuring out like, what do I need to say? What do I need to do to get likes and comments and shares and fans and followers? And as a small business owner who's had many small businesses, and I still think I am a still small business owner, like, okay, like eight figures, but that's still a very small business compared to other businesses out there. I don't care about building, being an influencer on social media because it's not the formula for me to grow my business. And I talk to my real estate agents. I say, look, you don't need to be an influencer to build a real estate business. It doesn't mean you shouldn't use social media. Social media can still be used and should be used, but we have to remember why we're using it. And for most businesses out there that are relationship and referral based, Mm -hmm. then your formula is how many people can I talk to? How can I give them value? How can I build a relationship? How can I stay in touch and follow up? And then give, 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 and eventually ask. And social media is one way to help do that. But there's so many other ways that are more proven for your business. And we can't forget about those things, especially as a real estate agent and any service-based professional. The phone, the email texting, it still works very, very well. You just need a reason to go talk to people. You need something of value to give them. And social media is a really great tool to pull people towards you so you can DM them and start a conversation. Because the more conversations you have, the more clients you will get for most businesses out there. 
Yeah, I cannot echo your position enough. I cannot stress that enough to the listeners. It's just so, so important. Social media for most people is a supplemental tool. It's not the primary driver of business. And speaking of business, talk a little bit about parkbench.com and what your goal is there and how you help people become the local go-to person. Yeah, so when I started Parkbench, it was because my wife and I, we moved to this neighborhood and we wanted to grow our local business. She was a realtor, I had my fitness company. And we knew that referrals was the mainstay of our business. So we wanted to get to know the people in our community and help the businesses in our community make more money. Because I'm a big believer that if I can help the business owners make more money without charging them anything, that they'll naturally, some percentage of them will want to reciprocate and help me out too. And if you can give the people in a community stuff that they value, which is usually local news, local events, happy hours, daily specials, right? On their phone versus having to walk around, look at all the signs and sandwich boards and stuff. Then they'll be like, thank you. Who are you? What do you do? And so we built this community platform. At first, it was for my neighborhood to just help the local businesses in our community promote their products, their services, their events, their deals, their sales, their specials, like just everything that they've got going on that sometimes they pay to get out into their community through flyering or through Yelp or Yellow Pages or Groupon Mm -hmm. or Facebook ads or Google ads or whatever. We just created a community website to help them market themselves for free. And then we built this really cool AI technology that automatically curated local content. Wow. It's like my wife and I didn't have, and this is like way back before AI was a thing. And it's like, we didn't have time to write all the content about a neighborhood. We got a job, we got lives and the content was out there on the internet. Like people were publishing lots lots of stuff about news and events and stuff on lots of websites. And so I've luckily found a developer who figured out how to find local content on the internet grab it, organize it, categorize it, and then showcase it on a platform and update it every single day so that if something is being posted on the internet about a neighborhood, it's now in one place. And so we launched this neighborhood. It helped the homeowners get to know what was going on in the neighborhood, almost like the local newspaper. Yeah. Helped the business owners promote themselves for free. And then we, who spent the money and the time to give this to the community, ended up getting a lot of business. And then a realtor found out that we were doing this and she said, Oh, I want to do what you're doing in this neighborhood that I do real estate in. And my wife was like, Oh, we'll teach you how to do this if you pay us. And she came home with checks of agents who were paying her to help her do this entrepreneurial. Her came home with checks. I was like, what, what are we doing? I'm like, we, we don't have a business. And she's like, well, I told them we would. And so 10 years later, park bench is now in four countries We're in neighborhoods in every state, every province within Canada, United States, not everywhere, but in 20,000 plus neighborhoods. And we help local businesses promote themselves for free. Mm -hmm. We help um, homeowners know what's going on in their community for free. You get a newsletter to your phone every week. And we work with typically one real estate agent or one mortgage broker or insurance agent who wants to build their brand in their community as someone who gives back, not just asks for business. Right. And they become the sponsor for their neighborhood. And so they pay an annual fee so that we can afford to launch the technology and provide the service to the community. That's a really interesting business model. So a real estate agent would say, hey, I want to own this. And basically they 
pay you, you do the work because it's your technology, but they're sponsoring it. So they come out as, you know, the person who's giving back, which they are, but it's also kind of starts that spirit of reciprocity that you kind of referenced because you're doing this, all this for me, who is this real estate agent? And they're going to be the one that's top of mind when I decide I want to buy or sell because I'm getting an update, a newsletter from them every single week. Yeah. One of the most influential books I ever read that started this idea was Free by Chris Anderson. It's not a very well-known book, but I, I don't know. I came across it. I'll sum it up. It basically just says, if you can figure out something that you can give for free that people are used to paying for, then it will help. And then you have another way of making money. Right. That it will help you attract more leads and more business. It's essentially, it's to become because this is that book came out before like lead magnets it was like a really big topic, right? And, and a good lead magnet is you give something for free that people are used to paying for. Right. That's a really good lead magnet. And so Park Bench was this platform that typically businesses would be paying for the tools and the functionality and the promotional ability that they could get on it. Right. And I spent, you know, $30,000 to build the first version of the website, wow, but I yeah. knew that it would help me build all the relationships I need to build in my area and the referrals that I'd get, my wife and I would both get for our businesses would be worth the investment. And I encourage business owners, and that's what the realtor is doing when they sponsor this website is, right. hey, they're paying money, but they get to now give something away for free that people are used to paying for. And then that makes them attract more business. And I think that's a concept for lots of business owners is what are you willing to make and create or buy to give away for free because you'll end up attracting so many leads to you to then get mm -hmm. paid in another way? That's what that book really goes into. And like the stereotypical advancement was example was Google, right? So back when Google Maps came out, Garmin was that company you'd be paying for map technology, right? To have a map on your dash in your whatever. And Google spent millions of dollars to recreate Garmin and said, we're just going to give maps away for free because we're going to make money on the advertising that's going to be on maps because Garmin wasn't thinking about that. And so they used mapping and free mapping as a way to attract all these views that got them ad revenue. It really is brilliant. And you're not aware initially as the consumer, that's what's drawing it. You're just like, wow, I really like Google. They're creating these maps that I can follow. And so then you kind of create, well, you do recreate that reciprocity because not only are they doing exactly. something that you really like, but they're top of mind. And so when you eat something, there they are. I'm a big fan of reciprocity. Like major book I read was, have you seen the influence by Dr. Robert Cialdini? That one? No, I'm going to write that one down too. That one is like one of the most well-known business sales books of all time. Like if you look at like most sold sales persuasion books of all time, is this Dr. Robert Cialdini influence. That was his first book. And then Persuasion mm -hmm. was the second book. Influence is like the one he's most known for. And I think the best one. I don't know how and I It just that. goes over all the six ways that people are influenced. And he mm -hmm. did all the studies around the world because in different countries, people are influenced in different ways. So if you go to Germany and China, authority is the number one form of influence. If you have a position of authority, you will be able to influence someone 
the most, leverage that the most in those countries. Right. In Mexico and Spain, it's all about liking, right? Mm-hmm. So if people like you and you're friends, yeah, we're going to do business. So people in, in apparently Spanish countries are more about, do I like you? Yeah. In North America, reciprocity is the number one form of influence. I you love scratch that. my back, I want to scratch your back. And yeah. so that concept is, just, there's so many ways to use it. And I encourage all my business owners to find ways to leverage reciprocity to grow their sales um, because it really does work. And it's just a really great thing to do is to do things for other people. You feel good about it. Even if this isn't your next client or they never become a client, you're going to be top of mind for them. And they may know someone that they say right away, oh, you're selling? Listen, I get this newsletter from this real estate agent every week. You should check them out. They do all this for free. So you just never know how that referral is going to work. So you help real estate agents become their local market go-to, but what advice would you have for people that aren't real estate experts, those lessons that transcend niche Mm -hmm. and market for becoming the local experts? I like to think about business as two things, art and science. And so the science side of business There is a rate at which people need your product and service in your area. Another way of saying that is one in every X number of people buy your product and service every year. The goal of a business owner should figure that rate out because then a cornerstone of of business is how big is your database? Mm -hmm. The bigger your database, the more deal flow you will see. And so for realtors, it's like, one in every 20 people sell their house. So if I have a database of 20 people, well, I might only have one person in my database who's moving this year. And that may be not enough for me to make a living. So if I want to do 10 transactions a year, I need at least 200 people in my database because 10 people will be moving every year. And if my close rate is only 50%, then I need 400 people in my database to see 20 people who are moving to close 10. And in fitness, I did the same thing. There's a certain number of people in my area who needed, who would buy personal training. And so then based on, I would figure out that rate. An easy way to do that is you go out and you survey your community. Hey, have you ever bought this service before? When was the last time you bought the service? Like the, if you can't like find it on the internet, the statistics, you can just quickly go out there and just figure out how often people are potentially buying your service just with a quick survey. That was going to be my next question. So thank you for anticipating that. Yeah. So there's lots of ways to get the data, but get the data because then it's like, okay, how big does my database need to be to see the deal flow that I need to see to get the clients and the customers and the revenue that I need to have? There is a mathematical equation to every business. And usually it has to do with how big your database is. And then... The reason why people don't follow up, right? So you always hear the fortunes in the follow-up. Yes. The reason why people don't follow up is because they don't know what to say or they don't come off salesy, cheesy, and pushy. I don't think it's laziness or everyone knows like it's email, it's text, it's phone call, it's DM and this. Like it's not knowing how do I follow up with someone. Right. It's, oh, what am I going to say? Because if I was to receive this phone call or email, I'd be like, oh, this is junk and spam. And so like, what am I going to do? And so the reason why you don't know what to say is because you don't know who's in your database. You don't know them. All you see is an email and a name 
And so there's no way you can add value to that person. Because no one's going to get mad when you call them or you email them, you text them, and you add value to their life or to their business. Right. No one's going to get mad at that. The problem is how do you add value to someone if you don't know them? And so I'm a big believer in getting to know people, actually. And that's why I even teach realtors to do an interview and start a podcast, start a YouTube show, just like we're doing, because mm -hmm. it's in an interview that you could be getting to know someone. And what do they do? What do they need? What do they like? What are their goals? What are their hobbies and interests? Who they are as a person? Because then one, that's content. Because their customers would want to know that. Their prospective customers want to know that. So if you're a local business owner, you can do a podcast where you're interviewing your potential customers and clients, mm. featuring them to help them with their business or their life. But you're also getting to know them and you can put that information in your CRM. And now you have all this ammunition for what to say when you want to follow up. Because you actually know, oh, I'm going to connect you with this person. I'm going to connect you with this news article. I'm going to connect you with this event. I'm going to tell you about this promotion because I feel like you would actually want this to meet this person or get this product or service because I know you because I got to know you. And so an interview is a really great way to get to know people and surveys are a really great way to get to know people. And then you just run a little contest with a prize to get people to fill out a survey so you can get rich information about people. And a lot of people, right? Business is really simple. I need a big database. I need lots of information about those people so I can follow up and continue to build that relationship and continue to add value because eventually they will use me and refer me. Yeah, I think that's really solid and easy to follow information. So everybody should be taking notes, writing this down and doing that. It just makes so much sense. It's very, I don't want to say easy to follow, but it's enough formulaic that you can write this down, you can implement it in your business, and you're going to see the results. And as you were describing that, what really came up for me is that nonprofits have been doing this for years. So if they want people to donate, they start cultivating relationship. They used to go to events and they would see who sponsored like another nonprofit's event, or they would look at the annual report and see who the big donors were. And they cultivate relationships with those people to see if they were interested in their cause. So someone that supports, let's just say it's the Heart Association, they might be a good donor for another organization that does something related. And But they would get to know them. And what are your interests? And if they weren't a good fit, it would be nice to know you. But if they were a good fit, they would kind of build a bridge to what they did. And I think having that interest and curiosity in other people and what motivates them to make the investments they make is a, a marketing methodology that really transcends markets. I think there's a lot of tactical stuff that I can get, you know, that you can get into like, oh, what, you know, use these platforms, use this automation technology. And like, there's a place for knowing what platforms to go into, knowing how to automate things and using technology and then talk about building your team and hiring and training culture. And like, there's a lot of that stuff at the base of business is you're solving a problem and the ability for you to communicate to your prospect that you can solve their problem, whether for free right now to build a relationship or in a paid way later mm -hmm. in order to get your messaging. And I think everyone's forgetting the messaging part because now ChatGPT 
can help you write things, but it doesn't know your customer as well as you should. And the messaging is so important for your initial outreach, for your follow-up, for your sales pitch, for your customer service, all this stuff. And you can't get good at messaging until you know your customer. That's why I'm also a big fan of business owners being the customer. Like I was a customer of the events before I started my own event company. I was a customer of fitness until I then ran my own fitness company. I was a customer of my neighborhood website and using it to build my business before I then helped other people do it. And so easy for me to do sales and marketing and customer service because I know my customer because I was the customer. And if you don't get that luxury because you're in a business that you weren't, that's okay. Study your customer. Get to know your customer. There's so many ways of doing that. And when you really know that, everything else gets easier. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. So I have a question for you. The newsletters that you help people set up in their communities, are they always real estate agents or do other businesses ever sponsor them? Yeah, we've had lots of other industries sponsor their neighborhood. Real estate's just been like our focus because it was right. just right there. But then other people hear, hey, if I sponsor my community and become a local leader and go execute the park bench system and get people in my community to use the website, it's a way for me to talk to more people, give value, build relationships, and create a reciprocity link. We've had mortgage brokers, insurance agents, we've had digital marketers. We've had fitness professionals. So it's really not, it's while we focus on real estate, because as a company, sometimes you kind of just got to focus and it just makes things better. My goal as a company over the next five, 10 years is to service way more industries because I know if you're relationship and referral based, mm -hmm. then my program can help you build your business. It's not just for real estate agents. And we've had other examples of people doing it that weren't residential real estate agents. It's just for scaling purposes. It was just easier just to pick one niche and focus on it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was one that, you know, your wife knew well. And I think that's really interesting. Yeah, we battled the beginning. She was, I was like, why are we picking real estate? I was like, <laughs> I'm in fitness. This work for fitness. Yeah. She's like, yeah, well, real estate agents are giving us money right now. And I said, well, that's a hard argument. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you follow gotta, the money. <laughs> you got follow the money, right? Or, you know. Yeah. That's great. I love it. So, well, let me first also touch on your book. So you are an international best-selling author and you have two books, Become a Local Leader and Referral Secrets. And where can people check out those books and purchase them? Yeah, just head on over to Amazon. I priced it as cheap as Amazon would let me. So it's not about making money. It's really about if you're a local relationship and referral-based professional. Mm-hmm. I actually think it's so funny. Residential real estate agents are like super progressive in the ways they do marketing because they have to be because it's the most competitive industry in all of North America. There are more that trade association. There's more realtors. Wow. In that trade, it's the biggest trade in the world. And because of that, you got to stand out and differentiate. You got to figure out how to like get business. And so they're super like progressive in the way they do marketing and advertising to try to figure out how to get business. And so there's so many good ideas in there. One, for real estate agents, obviously, mm -hmm. but then also for any local relationship and referral-based service professionals mm -hmm. of any kind. And that was the whole point of the book was 
There's two ways to build a business. You can buy business, buying mm-hmm. advertising, buying marketing, buying leads, and doing that. And I'm not against that. But if you talk to most business owners into the dream outcome they want in their business, it's 100% relationship and referral. That's the direction they want to go in. It's more fun. You're not treated like a commodity like you are when you do advertising. You're treated like a respected professional. It's more profitable. It's more fun. And I think there's so much money to be made by vendors in the advertising space that you don't hear about ways to build your business on relationships and referrals in your community. And so I wanted to create a book. Like I looked at the gap of books for realtors and like no one was writing on this topic and my company is built on it and my agent's businesses are built on it. And so I wanted to pool that knowledge together and put it into books. They're both written post pandemic because the world definitely changed. And so those books were in both after that and one focused on being a local leader and building a local business. And the second one was like, just very focused on like referrals because that's something that most businesses want more of. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that especially after the pandemic and lockdown, when everybody was really heavy into online marketing, people are just looking for that human connection again. They want to connect. They want to get to know people. And if you're the business person who is taking the lead and initiating that, you have a huge advantage. I researched you and and this podcast was around like social impact, right? Mm -hmm. And I think every business can think about how to apply that to their business because here's the reality of most businesses out there. When a consumer sees your business and they see your competitor's business, their brain goes, you're all the same. They just think you're all the same. Like we as business owners, we're like, no, we're very different. (laughs) But the consumer, they don't get it. And it's very hard to convince a person of anything. And it's very hard to convince a consumer, no, 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 I'm different than my competition. Here's why I'm different. If you just talk about what you do for your business. So again, a real estate agent, right? No, no, I'm going to market your house better. No, I'm going to help you buy a home better. It's like, really? Come on. Like you're all the freaking same. And to a large extent, they kind of are all the same. And so then how do you stand out? How do you differentiate? And by being a local leader is a chance for you to demonstrate corporate social responsibility, which if you have gone to any business school or read any business books like Harvard and all these great business schools that have done lots of research to talk about, if you put a brand, a product, a service in front of a consumer and they're the exact same, yes, one business gives back and the other one does not, which one does the consumer go with? the one who gives back, Mm -hmm. the one who demonstrates corporate social responsibility in whatever way they want to do that. And so some service professionals of all kinds, business owners, they think, well, what can I do? Like, I'm just a local business. I'm just a real estate. I'm just a mortgage broker. How am I supposed to do corporate social responsibility and give back? Well, that's the job to figure out because when you figure out something that you're doing to help your community, to help your people that you do business with or want to do business with, and then communicate what you are doing, that has nothing to do with what you actually do to make money. Yes. It will actually help you make more money. Doing good is good for business. Totally. Doing good and making money are not 
different things. It's the same thing. No, they aren't. And the more good you do. And yeah, we should touch on the fact that you give away so much good information that people can take and apply to their business. So how can people find that information? Can you tell people where to learn more about all these great aspects of marketing your business that we've been talking about? Yeah, just if you're a local business owner, go to parkbench.com, set up a free profile. And if you need help using the platform to grow your business, it's 100% free. And you can email support at parkbench.com. We'll help you use the platform and make more money. Won't cost you anything. Number two, if you want to follow me and any stuff, because I put out educational stuff for business owners, my handles at grantfsofficial. Someone had GrandFS. I was so bummed. I actually think I have a dead account that I can't get access to that's GrantFS. Uh. And because when I first started social media and then like, I don't know how to get it. So it's like not even used. And so anyway, so at GrandFS official on social media and on YouTube, which is where I put all my content. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. You and I had talked about this before we started recording that communities are better and stronger when their businesses know how to succeed. And that, to some extent, inspired a lot of the work that you're doing. Can you touch on that a little bit? As a small business owner, like you learn about the importance of shopping local because mm-hmm. you need people to support you as much as you support them. I went to like a good business school and all my friends went to go work at big companies. And I kind of, amount of money they make for like, they don't actually do anything more than a small business does. I think a small business contributes even more. And like we somehow don't make as much money and have higher failure rates and all this stuff. So I've always kind of want to stick it to the man kind of guy. And so like as a small business owner, I needed help. All these big companies were screwing me over and charging me a lot of money. Mm. And so one of the reasons why I, I then came up with this neighborhood website concept was because the small businesses in my community were my referral sources potentially. right? And so I just wanted to help them out because I knew they needed help because I knew they needed to survive in order to refer me business. So the reason why I created the platform was to help the local businesses in my community do better. So they would maybe want to reciprocate. And then when you look and you do more research into it, the small businesses, the revenue from small businesses is what makes our local economy better, which is what you feel in your quality of life. If you end up spending all your money at big corporations and Amazon, like nothing is actually flowing back into your local economy that you experience on a daily basis. And so it's super important that small business owners do well. And that's why I created the company. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Grant Finley Shiras, I have one final question for you that I did not prep you for, but this is the Prosper Project. So I like to end by asking my guests, what does it mean for you to prosper? It means I have more time and more money to give to the things that matter to me. So if I'm not prospering, and that's why it's so important that step number one, you need to put your oxygen mask on. You need to prosper. Because if you are a giving person, you cannot give if you're not prospering. So to prosper means you actually now get to give because you're prospering. Great answer. Thank you so much for joining me today. We'll have links to parkbench.com and all of your follow links in the show notes. Grant Finley Shiras, it's been a pleasure having you on the Prosper Project. Thanks, Lauren. I appreciate you inviting me on. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of The Prosper Project. If you want to grow a peerless, profitable brand, please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you find value in our show, please help us reach others by sharing an episode and leaving a review. In appreciation, please visit prosperforpurpose.com for more free resources to help you grow your business.